Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. My name is Eric Hulkerin. On today's episode, we are talking about back to school because Michigan schools are either in session or on their way to becoming in session. And who better to cover that than Leanne Smith and Monica Scott who cover education for MLive. As I said, our guests today, Leanne Smith and Monica Scott, and my co-host, as always, Vice President of Content for MLive, the one, the only, John Heiner. Thank you, Eric Culkin, as always. Good to be with you here on Behind the Headlines. Uh, as you know, one of my running themes is I spend half the year uh, moaning that I can't wait for summer to get here, and then I spend the other half the year lamenting that summer's going too fast, and uh, we're getting to the end. And I always look for signs, harbingers of, of, of the end. And, and one is I was out shopping this past weekend and all the back-to-schoolers were out. And uh, I do still have a, a school-age, college-age uh, child. So uh, I dropped a pretty penny at Costco, get her all ready for school. <laughs> but everybody's out. And uh, MLive's getting uh, ready to go back to school as well. And got a couple guests with us today who uh, specialize in helping us cover education around the state. First, I'd like to introduce from the Grand Rapids Press, a news leader there, Monica Scott. Good morning, Monica. Good morning. It's nice to be here. Great to have you. And across the state and the wonderful city of Ann Arbor, we have uh, one of our news leaders there, Leanne Smith. Uh, good morning, Leanne. How are you? I'm great, John. Thanks. Thanks for having me on this. I think you're both repeat visitors to Behind the Headlines. <laughs> Maybe that's because yeah. school starts every year at the same time. Every. <laughs> <laughs> so last year, uh, I don't want to do all the talking here, but uh, last year we did mm -hmm. some special things around education. Actually, I think COVID was one of the reasons. Uh, a lot of things were up in the air with education during COVID, and MLive threw a lot of reporting resources at that. One of them was education. Um, mm -hmm. First, I'll just to kick it off, Liam, why don't you talk a little bit about what we did last year to, to focus on education and, and package it well for our readers. Well, probably it was um, the Michigan Schools newsletter that goes out to subscribers every Tuesday morning. Um, I think we refined it and beefed it up a little bit last year to include a lot of stories on the issues that we're facing. Parents, students, teachers, administrators, superintendents, um, just the the news that they wanted to hear or read about. That was a very popular newsletter. And to be honest, uh, I don't wanna say I'm surprised everybody I'm live because we're great, but every week it was it was really a substantive topics. Um, you, you outlined some of them during COVID. There's, there's educational issues, there's safety issues, there's mad parent issues, uh, you know, teacher shortages, all kinds of things. But the uh, newsletter was a great place to see it all. And I, I'll just note right here for our listeners, it's easy to find mlive.com slash newsletters, and you can sign up. So when, when are we going to see the return of uh, Michigan Schools uh, newsletter? Um, it will be back. Tuesday, August 30th. It will be our back to school issue. We have uh, education reporters from throughout um, live um, working on stories to uh, get back into the swing of things with school starting. I will say the price is right for our newsletter. It's free. Uh, so I would encourage people to sign up for that. Uh, Monica. I what... did want to. Yeah, go ahead, Monica. Oh. 
Yeah, I just wanted to say one other thing about the newsletter. Obviously, I feel like we've done a great job since it's launched in terms of uh, really tackling all of the issues that people were, ex were experiencing uh, in the pandemic from the parents to the students to the educators. Uh, I mean, and, and everything along that spectrum. But I also felt like we did an excellent job of providing some more uplifting stories, some that giving people more of a variety. Leanne and I like to say, um, cool kids doing cool things or cool teachers doing cool things or doing dynamic things in the classroom, you know, like the 13 year old lumberjack that started his own business or things of that nature. So to try to give people a, a little lighter side of things as well as understanding that we're still in a pandemic and that there's still challenges and that school is never gonna be the same as it was. Very good segue, Monica, to that's where kind of I wanted to go next. Um, we, I remember COVID very well because I had a senior in high school when we when everything got shut down, and uh, you know the really the whole next year, including her first year in college, was completely compromised and different than what most students are used to. We all went through it, but what's different and what has changed? And this question can go to both you from March of 2020. What have we learned and how have the challenges for schools changed now that we're, geez, you know, going into another whole year, two years later um, of education? Well, I guess I can start that off. I think one of the things that um, I learned, obviously, is that kids need to be with each other when they're learning that the, the remote learning, the online school, online classes was very difficult on their mental health and on their ability to belong um, in school. I think it um, was evidence to us where parents were, were more frustrated with trying to fit in school with work while everyone was at home learning the, the students were just like I miss being in class with my teacher and my friends and um, I think that that I guess I've always known that that social aspect of school is important but this sort of highlighted um, just how much I think it affected students mental health and their ability to learn so Monica? I was just going to add to that because I think along with that as a direct result of the pandemic and you know we've heard a lot more about social emotional learning the state is investing in social emotional learning districts are doing more but you also see more districts are partnering with mental health agencies and professionals uh, to try to undo you know some of the damage that uh, was caused when students were working remotely um, some, but some one of the things that I think still hasn't changed is that, you know, the digital divide is real. And, you know, districts, the vast majority of districts are obviously back in person. They still have those times when they have to go back to remote learning. But, you know, kids still uh, are having issues in terms of them, their ability to have internet connections. A lot of parents still do, do not have uh, computers or internet accessibility. And I know people were quick to say, well, it's only, which I have eliminated from my vocabulary because it's only $9.99 or whatever, but for a, a family in a high poverty, high needs district, that's expensive. So a lot of those kids 
if they need to do their homework on a computer, they'll go to the public library, which is a wonderful resource in a lot of those communities. But it's still uh, a challenge. I mean, just going getting to the library rather than opening your laptop at home, uh, totally different um, scenario for some families. Uh, what is right going into this year? Because uh, the last couple of years, there was a lot of back and forth, schools in, schools out, we're going virtual. Um, some schools just declared they were all virtual. Uh, where have we come to now? Because if you look around society, you don't see a lot of masks or there's restraint. Remember the last time I saw social restriction. Um, where are schools at going into the school year uh, in Michigan with, with those kind of mandates? Well, I, I think that we're going to see, I think, this year the most uh, normal, quote unquote, school year that we've had since 2019. Um, school districts uh, are working with new guidelines on quarantining in the event of, of COVID cases that are less restrictive and allow uh, them to continue working in the classrooms. Um, I think in most places, masks are optional or only recommended during high rates of COVID cases. Um, it's just a, it's a much more flexible environment, I think, when it comes to that and using best judgments and following guidance from local health departments, as well as the state. Um, but I think we started to see it in the second half of the last school year, as these new guidelines came out, that things started to go back to being the way that we all remember school being prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I will say this, we have learned, as you know, through the pandemic, uh, things about working remotely, about what, collaborating, uh, having business meetings and planning projects and doing everything. And we are going more back to the office and it's great to see everybody in person. Um, just like your uh, statement about learning in person being better, I think it's better to be in a room with working journalists, I think it's, it's more efficient and more fun, frankly. And I think too, you pick up things that you don't when it's virtual, but I, we have incorporated things that we've learned into the way we work. And I would imagine schools have done the same and will have some flexibility about how they teach or how kids can do assignments from home or, or whatever. Um, but maybe the days are gone of kids propping up a mannequin head with sunglasses you know, <laughs> pretending to be sitting in class. I saw I saw a meme like that with the kids still in bed. But I, I've heard anecdotally of teachers who were giving 10% credit if kids turn their cameras on. I mean, just to know that they were there. So, um, you know, going, I'm sure there was hybrid kind I'm of I'm thing. sorry. No, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say that. I think that goes back to uh, anxiety issues and, and as well as uh, possibly kids not feeling comfortable with their environment in terms of people being able to see their homes. Uh, you know, I, I know my niece mentioned, well, you know, I, I point the camera at my ponytail. They're like, we want to see your face or whatever. But I know, you know, all jokes aside, there's some kids who just, you know, don't want to be on camera or like they said, they don't want the background of their home situation to be seen. Uh, as some of the, you know, for, for some of that, but I will say that in, in terms of the, uh, 
the mandates, you know, Grand Rapids Public Schools, which is the largest district in West Michigan with over 14,000 kids, they head back to class on the 23rd. Uh, this uh, Kentwood and Forest Hills, the second and third largest uh, school districts, also head back next week. Um, Grand Rapids rescinded its mask mandate back on in February and uh, sent out new guidelines uh, just uh, recently. And, you know, just letting people know, as Leanne said, this is probably going to be school will look the most like it did pre-pandemic this year. Uh, districts have learned a lot too in terms of uh, how to manage. I think they would all educators would agree that they were unprepared in that first few months of the pandemic, that spring quarter of the of the of, of the uh, after the pandemic started and into the first of that uh, next school year, it was a struggle and they struggled admittedly, but they've gotten so much better. They've invested a lot of time in being better. And then this summer, you know, I know there's been a lot of professional development and I'm eager to see how the school year, uh, you know, gets off. I think it's gonna get off to a great start. And I'm hoping that this may be probably one of the more productive school years for a lot of districts since the pandemic, having learned everything they have having put in the professional development and people getting adjusted and the fact that some of the restrictions are, are off in terms of some a, a kid possibly getting in contact with another one that uh, is COVID related and having to shut down the whole building right. uh, and sending kids home and some of the, you know, obviously the learning loss that can occur from that. Yeah, one thing too to remember is uh, now everyone's eligible for shots. Um, in, in, you know, you're talking about that first fall of 2020 and there wasn't even a vaccine out. So now we go two years forward and we've got vaccines for every school age kid can get vaccinated. Um, it seems like the strains are, are, are less, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not as hard on people as they were early in the days of the pandemic. And you just see that throughout society. People don't seem too stressed. Um, you hear about people getting COVID quite a bit. <laughs> But it, it doesn't seem as serious as a societal concern right now or medical concern. So hopefully schools will be mostly free of that. So, uh, Monica, you mentioned something I did want to touch on in uh, the podcast today, and that is when schools start. And this has been a, a long time debate in Michigan and other states. Do you start before or after Labor Day? Uh, Michigan has come up with an approach, um, uh, a waiver uh, that schools can apply for, correct? And uh, what's what are we seeing from school districts in terms of adoption of that? There are a lot yeah. of them adopting exactly. that waiver before Labor Day. I mean, most, I, most I, districts. I think it goes Go back ahead, to a requirement that that was put in place by the the State Department of Education a few years ago that mandates 180 days of instruction. And bear in mind that Michigan tends to have a lot of snow days in the winter. So starting after Labor Day with this 180 day requirement and factoring in 10, 15, 20 snow days, which are not unreasonable, you could see your students being in school until the end of June mm -hmm. because the state only grants six snow days you know, break, a six, you get six days. After that, you have to make up those days. 
So I, you know, that I think is what prompted a lot of districts and intermediate school districts to apply for the waiver uh, to start before Labor Day so that they, that students can still, even with having to make up snow days, students can still get out of school, you know, the first or second week of June. So I think that has prompted a lot of districts to, to want that, that option to start before Labor Day. Mm -hmm. Monica, you want to weigh in? I, I was just, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, in, a, in, a, you know, in addition to what Leanne said, uh, there's just probably a few years even prior, you know, to, um, you know, more districts have gotten a waiver over the, in, in recent years. I mean, practically every county, all the schools are pretty much on. There's, you, we jokingly say, we should just say which, which districts are, are, starting after labor, mm -hmm. are starting after Labor Day because so many are going, most of Kent County is, and we have 20 schools that comprise our Kent ISD. Um, but it's the learning loss it is another thing that really you know, encouraged uh, districts to really push for opening in August. You know, every spring you hear districts referring to um, you know, the, the summer slide or you know, kids falling too far behind over the summer and just wanting to keep the learning going for those kids that are not attending summer school either for uh, credit recovery or for enrichment uh, or doing some sort of uh, thing to, to keep them sharp over the summer academically to be able to get them back into the classroom sooner rather than later. Um, you know, and, again, and also wanting to get out a little earlier in the summer for those places that don't have, still don't have air conditioning. <laughs> right, <laughs> got exactly. it. Uh, yeah, I think if you're playing football, you should be in school. So there. Um, there, yeah, and, I would agree with that. And colleges uh, traditionally have gone back in, in August. Um, they get out a little earlier, but um, I, I just think it's time. Um, I saw it while I was out shopping. I mean, you get, you, you know, switch turns, you know, and uh, I think, I think it's, it's right and proper that, you know, kids get off their duffs and go back to school and start learning. Um, <laughs> one, one, one issue though, uh, I wanted to we talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but it's in terms of like learning loss, what, what we lost along the way. Uh, and I, I talk about COVID and say, you know, historians and social scientists will be looking at this, you know, 50 years from now and, and learning things about what happened in society during COVID. What do we know so far, even if it's anecdotal, um, about learning loss or education effectiveness or what happened during those two years for kids? I think, I think teachers have been, uh, several teachers, you know, have been honest, at least in, from our reporting about not feeling like, you know, they were able to uh, teach as effectively remotely as they could in person. There are things that you naturally see, maybe a look on a kid's face that says, you know what, I'm not catch capturing that math concept. So you walk over and, and see, you know, what, at what point in that step to getting to the answer, are they getting tripped up on? Or, you know, being able to interact, you know, when I, and students being able to engage each other in the classroom. Um, all of that, you know, or I, I think there were tangible and intangible things that, um, that contributed to learning loss. Uh, in addition to, you know, what I alluded to first in terms of, you know, about the digital divide and the first year or two and kids 
in high poverty, high needs districts not having internet connections, districts trying to scramble to create venues for them where they could come and use the computers. Um, and also students who just don't learn that well, you know, in a virtual situation that need that face-to-face -face with their teacher um, and building relationships with your teacher. Uh, those are just some of the things off the top of my head that, that I've heard repeatedly from teachers around the country, from parents around the country and students, mm -hmm. most importantly, mm -hmm. about their experience and not being able to be in the classroom and how they best learn. Well, let's talk, but we only have a few minutes before we have to wrap, but let's talk about the other key partner in that whole arrangement, which is the teachers. <laughs> and um, I've, again, uh, I've read articles about this, but also just on your social media, see anecdotal things about teacher fatigue, um, the demands that are being placed on them for what they get paid, um, and what they've been through. What's the state of, for, for the teaching ranks this year, uh, both in you know, how they came through COVID and also like, do we have enough teachers? Is there a shortage? Uh, is there, what kind of stresses are being placed on teachers right now? Well, actually um, we will have a story about this in our very first back to school newsletter. Um, uh, Mar Marty Slogter, who is the educational reporter at the Ann Arbor News is working with Taylor DeSormo who is our data reporter for MLive. They've been crunching numbers. I spoke with them yesterday. They have all kinds of charts and graphs that look at everything. And um, we've found areas. It seems that right now, everyone just makes a blanket statement about teacher shortages, as in it's there just aren't enough teachers, period. And what we've found is that there are actually more new teachers than there were in the 2018-2019 um, school year, but they are mostly new teachers. The level of experience has changed. There are far more first-year teachers than there are teachers with five or more years experience. Um, the shortages show up in specific areas, special education being one of them, um, high school subjects, world language, arts, um, things like that, uh, areas like that, that are seeing shortages. And, um, you know, some places have offered incentives to retain teachers, more experienced teachers, or encourage new hires. Um, and we will take a look at how effective those programs have been in recruiting. Uh, some districts are in good shape. Some districts are not in good shape. Um, as a matter of fact, Monica, I think one of the numbers we talked about yesterday re related to Grand Rapids Public Schools, which is one of the districts in the state that does actually have fewer teachers than it did in 2018-19. So, so it's it's not a blanket statement, to be honest. Right. The teacher shortage is, is specific, and it's... Um, you know, it, it shows up in different areas, but we will be taking a look at, at those areas and, and what's being done. It sounds like be a good story. I think so. It sounds like great reporting and also great come on for people to get over to that mlive.com <laughs> slash newsletters page and sign up for the newsletter because it's easy breezy. It just shows up in your in inbox at 7 a.m. Tuesdays. 
and 7 a.m., you know, in an ideal world, that's when kids are getting up and going to school. <laughs> so uh, the, right. bell, the bell is ringing. I encourage people to sign up because the last year, and I hate to say again, I was surprised by MLive doing great reporting, but every week it was it had so much substantive content uh, from around the state and education policy, but also like Monica pointed out, good news stories too that are happening uh, in our schools as mm -hmm. kids come back. Uh, we're out of time. It went by fast. It's always fun talking to you both. Thank you, Leanne Smith uh, from the Ann Arbor News. And thank you, Monica Scott from the Grand Rapids Press. I hope you have a wonderful school year. And I, I hope that COVID doesn't stick its ugly nose under the tent too much. Uh, we'll get back to normal. Well, thank you, thank you for having us. And there they go. A huge thanks to Leanne and to Monica for joining us today. And if you like what we're doing, you know what to do. Like, comment, or share wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Halkren. And this is Behind the Headlines.